Penn State in the middle of their bye week. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Today on the BWI Daily Edition, as always, joined by Nate Bauer. We're talking about Penn State football. They're on their bye week this week, but some very interesting stuff came out of practice last night. We're going to get to all of it, if not most of it, uh, on today's show. Nate, how you doing today? I know we have a, uh, a special guest in tow this afternoon. I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm still sleepy. This guy is just a total rascal and is not allowed back into school <laughs> until he gets a doctor's note. So we're going to, we're going to see if we can make it through this without any, uh, any explosions, but you know what? The string cheese, it really settles them down. It That's a, him- I, yeah. I love that you know the parenting tips. Like you, you're you're going to you're going to parenting 101. That you can't scream if something's in your mouth. That's phenomenal. Yeah, no, that's totally true. That's totally true. So we'll see what happens. Cross your fingers, buddy. I, I feel bad for him because you're starting his broadcasting career already, and uh, I don't know that you want to put that on him just yet. But <laughs> I mean, he he looks ridiculous. He's got food all over his face. Yeah, unprofessional unprofessional i expect him to be uh i never saw the movie boss baby because why would i i'm an adult man with no children but still that's what i was expecting yeah yeah something much more professional and refined that's what that's what i try to bring to the table and he doesn't listen to anything that i say so he's oh. getting used to it you know well uh i appreciate you powering through the the situation with your kid obviously he seems like he's okay for the most part so hopefully he's okay uh but we will talk some penn state football today and hopefully we'll get through this with uh without anything terrible happening uh but if it does (laughs) yes it's gonna be great uh so we're on the bye week penn state football on the bye week and james franklin spoke to the media one thing i noticed immediately is there is a very different feeling and tone to james franklin when there isn't a game that week than when there is did you notice that and kind of what was your general vibe of james franklin after practice uh on wednesday i i don't know if i would call it um a bye thing as much as i would call it a that is james franklin ticked off right (laughs) like that was that was 15 minutes of james franklin uh being in a bad feisty place and it's not necessarily like just dejection right some guys are just like they lose their spunk whatever uh he's not that he is gets on his hind legs and starts to battle back a little Mm -hmm. bit that's kind of his mo i think and so what I saw yesterday was one, you know, look, uh, we all know what his, st- whether we agree with it or not, right. We know what his stance is on divulging injury information. Yep. He doesn't do it. He doesn't want to do it. That um, doesn't mean that there aren't instances where he gives some hints and some clues. I think that he does that because he can't help himself yeah. <laughs> occasionally. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, saying that Sean Clifford's injury, right? Like something that everyone at that position deals with at some point. That's exactly what I picked up on as well of, okay, so everything we were talking about, that's soft confirmation without saying it of Sean Clifford, we think is dealing with a rib injury. You can see a lot of quarterbacks that deal with rib injuries when they get hit in the pocket. Yep. Drew Brees. Yep. To a Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah. So Cam Newton. um, I'm just, 
connecting the dots. You know more than I do, but let's we're going to connect the dots here. It'll be yeah. fine. Um, but yeah, no. So so my point though is he 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 says that he doesn't want, and then there's still five questions and like it's this is just the game i mean it's it's not the fault of the journalists and it's not the right. fault of james franklin it's just that's what that's what he's going with um and so when when he had to address that for sean clifford and and obviously like this is a huge deal sean clifford's health yep. is a massive deal like it cannot be uh overstated how big of a deal it is his health or or not healthy uh however between that and PJ Mustafer and his his season being over, um, the unresolved situations with three other players, John Lovett, Devin Ford, and, and uh, John Sutherland, all of whom left the game on Saturday and did not return, plus his five-minute and change rant yeah. on, right? Like, just, like, that's a guy kind of, defending the integrity of the sport is he right like i mean yeah he, he is yeah he is he is arguing for decorum yeah in a world that doesn't have it yeah and so i, yeah. I mean that's that's kind of that's kind of the problem is like when it's yeah when it's your side who is being uh attacked for lack of a better word it's it it makes sense for him to be defensive about it Mm-hmm. However, I, I think that we're all kind of kidding ourselves if we don't acknowledge and realize that, like, the days of polite clapping over injuries yeah. are, are more or less over. Uh, the day, the days of like just respecting your opponent and yep. and all of those things that we considered like kind of public norms and things that we all did as sports fans, yeah, uh, you know, like. This is this is where we're going. The the trajectory is this way, not yeah. the other way. And, and, and I'm, and this I'm afraid is a, the train has left is the a, station. This is a societal thing. It's not just a sport thing. And I think you're absolutely right about that. And that's something that I was thinking about today. And quickly, so I want to set this up. The full five-minute and change video, including his full press conference, both of those are up at our YouTube channel. So if you're watching that here today, if you want to pause and go watch all that, because that's what we're referencing, you can do that. But I'm going to play a, qu- a quick clip of that five-minute conversation right now of James Franklin talking about uh, what he had to say, his uh, semi-prepared statement when it came to what Kirk Ferentz had said about him uh, and his organization and the things we kind of covered yesterday in the BWI Daily Edition with the potential, the illusion of faking injuries. Here are his sort of some of his comments about that. People use this strategy to slow people down. Uh, spread offenses, tempo offenses. They huddle. Um, so that strategy did not make sense in this situation. Sean Clifford, did we want him to go down and not return in the game? Devin Ford, our starting tailback in the game, went down and did not return in the game. Did we want that to happen? Lovett went down, did not return in the game. Sutherland, our captain, our captain went down and did not return in the game. So it was a physical game. Was there a bunch of injuries? I get it. I get it. And and how it may have looked, I get it. I'm telling you, we don't coach it. We don't teach it. And may it look that way because there was a bunch of injuries in the game? I get it. There was a bunch of injuries in the game. But 70% of those guys never returned. So 
Nate, my problem is that James Franklin is citing facts, right? Yeah. He is giving you the information that is, it, it, these are irrefutable things. And you and I, we, we talked about this Wednesday. I've talked about it all week of the injuries and the guys that came back in the game. And if you watch the broadcast copy, you hear guys getting injured in the middle of the play. Yeah. So he's giving you facts. People don't care about facts. People do not care about, and this is what disturbs me in, in, a, in a larger societal sense of they see everything as spin. And even if there are the, you can go back to the TV copy and see these guys injured from the, you know, for Jaguan Brisker all the way to the beginning of the season. And some of the guys, you can see the specific injuries that they have. We've, no one cares. People right. want their prior beliefs confirmed. And that's right. just what we do now. And, and it's, it's disturbing to me because this is where I, you know, I, I, I agree with the sensibilities of you don't boo players. You don't do those things. But also, I'm coming from the, the point of fact of I saw those things on film too. And you can't right. ignore that unless you just want to. And people just want to. And that's the problem I have is it doesn't matter. You can give all right. the facts in the world. He can give you the specific injuries and people will not care. I, I will, I'm going to provide a, a little bit of pushback in that fans are not to be reasoned with. And, and I'm not saying that they're unreasonable people. I'm saying that they're supporting their team, right? Like yeah. that is, that is just the nature of the beast at this point is like, uh, it's a huge, I know you don't follow golf, but it's a huge problem in golf is this right. It's supposed to be this respectful and yeah. um, mannerly kind of environment. And, you know, they're kicking guys out of, out of the galleries because there's, they're not supporting someone. They are booing or jeering or whatever you want to call it, someone yeah. else. And yeah. so like the, the tide has turned to where that is now kind of the, the reality of spectator sports. Yeah, it's, However, a, it's a kind of a pro wrestling aspect of it where we now have heroes and villains that are played up to a higher degree than what it was previously of this is this is a sport and the things I, I that mean, come I, into it with sport. I, I can tell you this right now. Uh, the notion of Iowa fans getting into the heads of like the, the whole purpose of fandom, right, is to feel like you've had an impact on the game in yeah. whatever variety that it is, that you had a positive impact to help your team. Uh, I think that sitting here on Thursday, that yeah. Iowa fans can undeniably pat themselves on the back as having felt like they accomplished that goal. And they don't care how they do it. Yep. And I think, I mean, it's the same, <laughs> like it, it just, uh, the, the level of, transgression, whatever you want to call it, like decorum that is being violated. Okay, sure. We can, we can debate that uh, all, all we want. However, I don't think that they have any question in their mind that four days after the game, five days after the game, the fact that we are still talking about this counts as a rousing success and victory for them. Uh, I would disagree to the point that I think James Franklin would have let it go if Kirk Ferentz didn't say something. And which that, is, again, is, goes back to the idea of what I said on Wednesday of Kirk Ferentz is defending his fans because he knows that if he doesn't and he loses some of them, 
that is not good for his job or his job security. So yeah, that, I mean uh, he's retiring. He's retiring from Iowa. Like that's like these things are. That I want to worry about that so much. I think yeah. that James Franklin's disappointment that he probably would have done well to have addressed more fully on Wednesday is listen. Uh, it is one thing for fans to do that. It is another thing entirely for coaches and assistant and staff people yeah. to be filmed during the game, right? Like if, yeah. I mean, you, you can believe it wholeheartedly and you can say it after the game that you think that they were di- like, if that's something, if that's where you want to go, that's all fine. But when you are flopping to the ground yeah. as a sign of your displeasure, um, you know, that just, it just takes it to an uncomfortable place when you're the, the coach of a player who is actually hurt like yeah. that. You, you understand. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, uh, <laughs> I, I'm a parent, right? Obviously mm-hmm. <laughs> when my daughter, you don't have a random baby sitting next yeah, to you. That's not, that. No, okay. Thank, thank God. Um, <laughs> no, but like. When my three-year-old feigns, uh, you know, she's crying and she's, she acts like she's hurt or whatever, uh, even that frustrates me, right? Like, as yeah. a parent, that, that gets frustrating uh, to see someone fake something that could otherwise be serious. But guess what? I always take it seriously because if it is serious, I would feel like a total goon being dismissive of her pain. Yeah. Of of whatever she's going through. And yeah. so as a as a coach of a football team, you would hope you would hope that somebody else would offer your players the same respect that you would offer theirs. Like yep. that, like at, at the end of the day, this is a, a game that is very violent and yep. very physical yep. and includes very serious injuries. So until you find out like Arnold Abiketti, James Franklin said it yesterday. He cramped up. Yeah. He cramped up. Okay. Yep. Is that is that the worst thing in the world? No. But when you cramp up, if like, don't we see this in the NFL? Like, mm-hmm. am I we crazy? saw so the the, the the a similar thing happened in Kansas City, where a Buffalo Bills player who had been in a locker room for forty five minutes in a hot small locker room cramped up after a play where he gave up a first down, and they booed him. And, you know, there's a different level of those are professional athletes making a lot of money. And these aren't semi-amateur players that are getting certain compensations, but certainly not to that level. The level of danger still is the same at either level. I understand that there's a difference there, but it's the same thing of it's a cramp. If you've never played football and you've never done that before, if you've never exerted yourself to the level of a cramp, like you don't you fundamentally don't understand the situation. And that's my biggest problem looking at this. And, and maybe I'm being a, maybe I'm being too sensitive about this, but I have sensibilities that say have some empathy, literally right. have some empathy and have some respect for other people. And again, don't care. People don't care. Uh, and that part, yeah. that to me, that's it's a symptom of a larger problem, not to get too yeah. uh, worldly about football, but it is it is a symptom of a larger problem that because they weren't wearing black and gold. Iowa fans do not care about any of those things. They see this as other, and I don't like it. I do not like that. That is, that is to me, a dangerous thing to be doing. Losing battle. 
You are fighting a losing battle. James Franklin is fighting a losing battle, but the winning battle, the winning battle is for a better example set by Iowa's personnel and staff. That is something that within, within the game dirt, like this wasn't something that was brought up after the fact, after the game had been concluded, this is something that was being mocked actively. Yeah. During the course of the game. I I, like, I'm not sure if, if you can put yourself in James Franklin or anybody on Penn State side in their shoes, I'm I'm not sure how you could emerge from that without being offended. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is right. Like you don't you have the expectations for fans anywhere at this point. The bar is as low as it can possibly be. Yeah. However, that bar is much much higher for colleagues. These are people who share the same yeah. space as you professionally. They understand what you, goes into those moments. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I think that's where that comes from, but at the end of the day, like I, I think, and I thought even after the game that part of the reaction that I saw from Penn state's players was like humor over it. Like yeah. They weren't, they weren't like the most upset. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, I guess, I guess that's part of what you, you come to expect in situations like that. Even yeah. as a, even as a 20 year old kid is like, if you've been there before, you've been to Kinnick Stadium, like you know that they're gonna go crazy. Like yeah. that's what they do. That's that's that is the vibe of that fan base, and, and they take pride in it, and it's something that has an impact on the game. So mission accomplished. Yeah, uh, we're all out of string cheese here on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host Thomas <laughs> Frank Carr. That's Ollie in the background, and Nate Bauer here joining us. Let's talk about practice let's talk about the actual thing that we went to see yesterday it is the bye week it's the middle of that uh situation what were you looking at what were you paying attention to when we had a couple of minutes of availability during the actual throwing of footballs and catching of footballs blocking and such yeah i mean was there anything to watch other than Taquan roberson and the answer yeah. is no yeah that that was that was all there was to watch. Uh, I mean, certainly the other position groups were were going around, but I mean, I don't think it was an accident that yesterday was the most heavily attended practice from a media perspective uh, all season, including oh, yeah. the preseason, right? Like it was that, that was the deal. People, I mean, people drove up from Philly um, all over the place, basically to, to get a, a glimpse, see, see what's going on, obviously. Yeah. Um, that said, and this was one of the notes that I passed along in in my post practice kind of notebook, but um, the tone from Mike Yersich toward Roberson changed to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. More encouragement, a little less. Um, you know, like he gets into him. Like I, yeah. I guess that's the funny thing to me is like for the first six weeks of the season all of the comments that I had or the things that I noticed about that dynamic were Yursich really digging into Roberson every chance that he gets to pick right. up his game. And like, and you understand why you get it. He yeah. needed to be better. He, and, and yeah. Yursich was on an abbreviated timeline where he had to bring that along. Yeah. Uh, however, now that he's the guy for however long this is, if it is how long it is, uh, he wants Roberson to feel confident. He wants Roberson to be, you know, uh, to go into that feeling good about himself uh, yeah. for the Illinois game. So, 
you know, uh, that, that was the major thing that st stood out to me about practice. Um, beyond that, I mean, it was, it was really just the James Franklin show after practice. Yeah. Uh, and another thing, and this is something that we and I talked about a little bit after you and I talked about a little bit afterwards. One of the things that I, I, I noticed was that, um, James Franklin and, and to, to you asked me about this of like where some, or somebody said this to me of like where James is during practice should tell you something a little bit and down yep. on away from the quarterbacks. I, I took a couple of minutes and I was checking out what they were doing down there and they were doing some live hitting drills and they were doing some live reps uh, working on the run game. And this yep. is something that we talked about of what are they going to do? How are they going to make things better around Taquan Roberson? And that's one of the areas where I think that maybe there's a little more emphasis. And people, people, I think, misconstrue the idea that there wasn't emphasis on the run game before. But now it's, it's, it's a focus because it has to be. Um, on, on the flip side of that, too, one of the things that uh, was, was noticeable to me was that when James Franklin was down there, kind of on the flip side is is there was a little bit more intensity when they were working on it. There was a little bit more of that wasn't acceptable instead of the, you know, the kind of the coaching and, and point taking sort of thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't get I didn't get to uh, literally the only thing I saw was take one Roberson yeah. and Christian value working with the receivers. Uh, Roberson underthrew a bunch of balls, deep balls that uh, your sitch you know, kind of got into them like, Hey, make them run through the ball. Right. right? Like that, that was it is you got to get it there. Um, and these were really deep passes, but you know that he has the arm for it. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that was, that was kind of the dynamic. And I think it lends, uh, it gives you an idea of how this is going to go over the next 10 nine days yeah right? so like uh, that's what that's what penn state needs they have yeah. to get that out of the quarterback position and they need a guy who can feel confident with what he's doing so then quickly what was your impression of roberson uh about how he was performing in practice and again it's positional drills it's not like it was live it's not like it's a it's a full picture but what was your kind of snapshot of how he was performing in front of everyone not great <laughs> Yeah. So then I have to ask the follow-up question because that's yeah. what everyone wants to know afterwards. Well, what about Christian Veyu? What about the, yeah. what about the backup to the backup? What about the assistant to the regional manager? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think that um, you can, I, I thought and have said previously that I think that Veyu throws a sharper looking ball. I, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not equipped and or qualified to like break down throwing mechanics. I'm going to, I'm going to absolutely leave that to you uh, to not give the wrong impression about what my qualifications are. Mm -hmm. However, um, if it, it, it's like right in here, right? Like this area for a quarterback is tends to be the most important. Yeah. Um, and so if, if you're not up to speed, if you don't, if you don't have a grasp and a handle and of what you need to do um, and how to handle certain situations, I mean, that's why experience matters. Yep. It just, it just plays such a huge part in, in what you can do in, in every respect. Uh, I mean, it's, just, it, it's, you have all of these pieces on Penn state's offense that if your quarterback isn't prepared to deliver the football to them and to make that 
right? Like, yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? I think we've seen clearly that the mental aspect of playing quarterback, just in the case study of how can everything go wrong towards how can it all go reasonably right with Sean Clifford, I think you can see clearly the mental aspect is the majority of the position, which is why coaches don't always talk about the physical stuff. Like they kind of dismiss the physical things because without the mental side, and this is why I harp on, I don't care about arm strength until it shows up which is the decision-making, the accuracy, the way you deliver the football. All of those things need to be in place before arm strength can just uh, blossom. Like, it can get you out of bad situations if you're okay at, at quarterback, but until it's truly an asset, the uh, the other things are more important. And that's the, those things make the arm strength matter. And yeah, so so with both of those guys, I think it's about literally everything else except for how they throw the football, which is what we're seeing, right? So that's what we're seeing when we look at practice. Um, and by the way, when, when you're talking about like describing arm motion or all those things, like it's just it it's just what you see describing what you see in a, in a way that is connecting the dots, right? Of of the position. So I I've always thought Roberson looks like he's thinking. It's very robotic. And I think that's part of the underthrow problem is when you have guys that are thinking, it's not coming out naturally. So that to me is is the st- the next step of <laughs> how in 10 days do you get him to stop thinking but also be thinking correctly? I that that's again, Mike Yersich is very good at what he does. He's going to have to prove that he can do that with a guy and reach Taquan Roberson on his level to to understand that. Yeah. No, I mean that but that's again like that's what that's what he's here for. That's what he's at Penn State for is to be able to impart that knowledge, be able to impart something, a plan that works. Yeah. That's it is, you know, it's not ideal. It's not what Penn State wants, obviously. Um, but, you know, certainly I think in Illinois, it, it would be um, an unfair characteristic to say that they're not a team that like, if you have to play somebody the week after all this happens and the week after, like for this, yeah. this setup specifically, that's what you want. The only way it could be better if it was the Illinois team that showed up last year. And by that, I mean, not just the level of play, but also it's the same coaching staff. We have film on them. We've played them. It's a, the only difference is it's a new coaching staff. The players are the same, uh, but the schemes and, and you know, how they're being used might be a little bit different. Uh, one, one thing that, you know, I asked James Franklin about their, their bi-week self-scouting and, uh, what they do, his tone to me, obviously he wasn't going to divulge any information of, yeah, we saw, we run this too much, or we saw that this is a hole in in what we're doing to me. It didn't sound like things are going to change dramatically. And that's one of the things that we've talked about is how do you tailor make a new offense? Uh, you know, I, I think he talked about tendencies are good because it means you're good at stuff. So that's. I, I wouldn't expect to see dramatic differences from the way Penn State operates their offense. Maybe some things are scaled back, if anything. Yeah, no, exactly. Scaled back. I mean, that's the, right. Like we have this notion of a playbook as being this uh, stagnant object, but it's not. It's something that changes uh, and moves frequently past once you get past the base stuff that you're working in. And yeah. so I think that, you know, there, there will be some type of reversion to the basics, mm-hmm. um, right. Just to, just to keep things under control. So now I don't know, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting, it, pre, again, presuming that Sean Clifford is out, 
for Illinois, which I'm not sure that everybody else is presuming that. I'm presuming it. Yeah. But yeah, if, yeah. if that's the presumption, then that's kind of what I'm anticipating seeing. Uh, we've gone about 10 minutes longer than we probably should have because Ollie's been such a good boy. So he I don't. Watching me. He is me. He's, you know, I was expecting much worse. He is doing a great job, truthfully. So any uh, any last words from you or from Ollie before we wrap up here on the on the daily? What do you got, buddy? Yeah. Give me. Uh, <laughs> yep. 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 No, he is. <laughs> He is insatiable. His That's exactly right. Phones and cords and phones. And oh, you're doomed. Yeah, you're you're doomed. So now that's that's all I got. What else do you got? Uh, that was it. I, I just wanted to talk about uh, uh, not to expect anything terribly different because I think they're 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 uh, they're pot committed. Things are locked in loaded for this football season, and I don't think they think it's as bad as it was last year. I don't think they're going to need to do as hard of a reboot on the offense in the middle of the season. Uh, because there are parts that have been working. So uh, we'll see. And uh, obviously we'll be back next week uh, with much more on Take One Roberson and Illinois and all of those stuff and all of those things. But also coming up tomorrow, high school football still going on. So Ryan Snyder, our recruiting insider, he's back. He's going to be doing Ryan Snyder's best bets as well. I need to check in to see how he's been doing this week. I haven't really checked in on his uh on his record from last weekend. That was a, a large part of our conversation yesterday, which we'll get into tomorrow. So Nate, thanks for coming on. Ollie, you're doing a great job. Thanks so much for having both of us. We, lo- we loved it. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. This is life, people. This is Zoom. I, my wife calls it Zoom culture. You get to see inside the realities of what we're working with. You just can't see the bunny behind me. Live animals in studios, babies, doesn't matter. This is the new reality. So we'll be back tomorrow with more of that. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Make sure you subscribe to Blue White Illustrated. <laughs>